Today I'll be preaching from the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, and I'll be reading from verse 12 down to verse number 14, Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse number 12. The Bible says, therefore also now, said the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today so grateful for your goodness, your love, your kindness, your tender mercies towards us. You indeed are a great and awesome God, and you are doing great things. We thank you that in the middle of difficulties and trials and tribulations, you still show yourself mighty and strong, that you're still on the throne, and you're willing and desirous of working in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls who would put their trust in you, who would praise you, even in difficult times, because we understand that you're God even then. We thank you for the many blessings we've received from you, Thank you for the blessing of your word and how you use it to work in our hearts to draw us closer to you, to help us to fulfill your will here on earth, in our lives, individually and collectively as people. Lord, I pray that you would use your word once again to speak to each and every heart. I pray that you would remove any distraction, any hindrance, anything that would Limit the working of your Holy Spirit that it will be far removed from this place. May Satan be a defeated foe. May he have no occasion to rejoice over any person under the sound of my voice. Take full control. Have your divine way. I ask that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Without you, I can do absolutely nothing. So I ask for your help. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Over the many decades, groundbreaking advances have been made in the field of medicine. These improvements have led to less invasive surgeries, less error-prone procedures, and time saving procedures that have resulted in saving and extending lives. There are many factors that have led to these improvements and the ability to even attempt and perform these surgeries and medical procedures. But I believe that I can safely say that one of the single most significant factors that has been the turning point in helping 
medical professionals to do what they are able to do, which, when you really think about it, seems to blow the human mind, has been our ability to, through the use of technological machines like x-rays, ultrasounds, and MRIs, is to see what is happening on the inside rather than having to wait for symptoms to show up on the outside. You see, by the time we wait for symptoms to show up on the outside, the patient is now at a point where they might be beyond man's ability to be able to bring about a recovery. But by being able to detect through the use of these devices what is happening on the inside, it makes a world of difference. The importance of prioritizing the inside is important in maintaining physical health. But let me also say this morning that it is also critical and important in maintaining and sustaining spiritual health as well. Amen? God, in appealing to the nation of Israel in the book of Joel, appeals to them to return from their rebellious ways, to return from their abandonment of a holy God, to return from their idols, And in appealing to them by way of this prophet Joel, he says to them in verse number uh, 13, rather, something very important that should help us to understand what God is concerned about. He says to them in verse number 13, he says, to rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, God is saying to his people, I'm asking you to come back to me. I'm asking you to come to me, but in doing so, I want you to not focus on the external, but focus on the internal. In other words, focus on what's happening in your heart as opposed to what's happening on the outside, which oftentimes man focuses on religious activity and rituals rather than sincerely doing business with God at a heart level. God says, rend your heart. Let your heart be broken rather than your clothing. Began this message last Sunday morning, and I entitled it, Prioritizing the Inside Over the Outside. Prioritizing the inside over the outside. I fear that that oftentimes we are preoccupied and we are concerned with what people think. What people are going to say. How are they going to respond? What is their reaction going to be? And we prioritize people's response over what God is concerned about. And let me say, without any uh, water in my mouth, as we say colloquially, listen, God is concerned about your heart. And so we examined last week for observation that this 
concern of prioritizing the inside over the outside, when it comes to God, it is a concern that is appropriate. Why? Because the heart is where God operates. It's the place where God deals with us. We understand that the heart that we're referring to is not the physical heart, but it's the, it's the, it's the immaterial portion of, we, of who we are. In fact, it is essentially who we are. It is comprised of our intellect, what we think, our emotion, what we feel, and our will, what we desire to do, and what we ultimately do. My friend, that is who we are. That's where God wants to deal with us. It is a concern that's appropriate because that's the right place. Where God deals with us. And you see what happens is that when we are preoccupied and concerned with that heart, it ultimately is saying to God, I am dealing with you where you deal with me, and I'm dealing with you in the right place, but I'm also focusing on the right person. You see, oftentimes we are preoccupied with the external, and in doing so, we are saying to God, I know you can see my heart, but other people can't see my heart. So I'm more concerned about them than I am concerned about you. And so in being concerned about what God's concerned about, we then become concerned about what God knows rather than what people think. And so God says, when you come to me, come to me with a broken heart. Come to me with a heart concerned about sin. It's a concern, my friend, that is appropriate. But here's what happens that is so significant. Here's what happens that is so life-changing. That my friend, when we are concerned about what is appropriate, it allows us, jot this down, secondly, to then connect with the Almighty. You see, my friends, we are to be concerned about this because all of the other external rituals, all of the other concerns about what people think, all that time that we are wasting, we are then failing to connect with God. God is saying, if you, you want to connect with me, if you want me engaged, if you want me to intervene in your situation, it begins with dealing with the heart. And when you get a handle on that concern that is appropriate, you then are able to connect with me. You see, my friend, when we connect with God, here's what happens. We get his attention. And the reason why we get the attention of God, because when we operate with God at a heart level, we are saying to God, I am now being sincere. My friend, let me say something, and I hope that this sticks with us, if nothing else, today. Sincerity matters to God. Sincerity matters to God. You see, the amazing thing about sincerity is that God already knows where we are. When we come to him, we're not fooling him. 
we're not faking him out. He already knows where we are. So we might as well come clean. David, a man after God's own heart, understood the character of God. Understood that sincerity matters with God. And as a result, David, even when he was in sin, knew how to connect with God. We read Psalm 51 for the scripture reading. And you see a man who had fallen. A man who was called out by the prophet Nathan. And that entire psalm, David communicates from a heart of sincerity. And in Psalm 51 and verse 17, he says, understanding who God is. Understanding that, that God is a God who, who doesn't abandon his people. When we come to him in through true sincerity and honesty, says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit. And contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. David says, this God loves me in spite of the fact that I've failed him. In spite of the fact that I've fallen as the, as the king, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I mean, I mean, he's been found in adultery. He's been found guilty of murder. And God, David understood that with all that said, uh, if he came to God in true sincerity and honesty with a broken heart, this God of the universe would not reject him. But he had to come sincere. David says, if I come in sincerity, I'm going to connect with this almighty God. I'm going to have his attention. My friend, God cannot be fooled. God has never been fooled. If you're engaging in trying to fool God, you're engaging in a futile endeavor. Now, let me say, you can fool the pastor. Tons of times. Lots of times. Listen, you, could fool, you fool him in the past. You fool him in the present. You will continue to fool him in the future. But don't be concerned about pastor. Be concerned about God. Jesus, in coming to this earth, continually went at it with the Pharisees. Not because they were religious leaders. Not because they went at him. But because of their lack of sincerity. Listen to what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27 and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of 
dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within, ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He says, woe unto you. Why? You lack sincerity. When you come to God, come to God clean. Meaning, not that you're, you're clean and righteous, but come to him with, with an understanding that he knows who you are, so just come straight. And honestly, he says, when you do that, you get God's attention. And here's why we want and need to get God's attention. Because my friend, when we get God's attention, we then get his assistance. You can't get God's assistance if you don't have his attention. Everybody seems to want God's blessings. But who wants to be sincere with God? We need God's assistance. We need God's blessings. And my friend, I'm so glad that God's blessings are spiritual and they are physical. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I want us to understand so clearly what it's required to get the assistance and the attention of a holy God. It is not sinlessness. It is not perfection. It is sincerity. We get God's attention and put ourselves in line for his spiritual blessings when we are concerned about the condition of our heart. This, my friend, is what leads to salvation. Imagine. It's not good works. Not church membership. Church attendance. Baptism confirmation but our concern about our sin look at luke's gospel chapter 18 and verse number nine and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others two men went up into the temple to pray the one a pharisee and the other a publican the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, 
This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In other words, this publican, because he came to God with his sin, but he came to God in sincerity, God blessed him spiritually and gave him favor and spiritual blessings and forgiveness and eternal life because of sincerity before God. My friend, that is what brings about salvation. When we come to God, not in our own righteousness, but recognizing that we are all sinners, that my righteousnesses are before God, are as filthy rags. And we come before God and says, God, I failed you. God, my sin has hurt you. And I come to you believing in your shed blood on Calvary's cross as the only provision for my sin. Forgive me. I fail you. I repent. I make a 180 degree turn away from my sin to you sincerely in the heart in the place that man cannot see and God says you are saved forever. Sincerity. Not fixing myself. Not changing my ways, but coming to God in sincerity about who I am. That's spiritual blessings. Why? Because we've now gotten God's attention. And when we get his attention, we get his assistance. Well, I've got some more good news for you. That God doesn't just bless spiritually but God blesses physically as well amen Amen. if you don't believe me turn to Psalm 37 and let's look at a few verses there because when we leave here I don't want you to say Pastor Wayne said I want you to say what God said Psalm 37 And verse number 23, the Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God is not looking for perfection. God says even when you fall, you come to me in sincerity. I'm going to pick you up. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Listen, God provides for his people. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Just in case you're wondering, why does God need to be merciful? Because we find ourselves messing up time and time and time again. We need God's mercy. But he is merciful. That tells you that God is not looking for perfection. Because his mercy endureth. He is looking for sincerity. 
By the way, because we know God is merciful, we're not going to go and just run in the muck and mire because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When they're ordered, you're going to want to do right. He delighted in his way. He delighted in the way that is right. Verse number 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment. You know what that means? It says the Lord loveth what is right. The Lord loveth what is good. He loveth when we love what is right and we love what is good and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. My friend, God is willing. God is ready. God is able to bless his people physically while they are here on planet earth. But God blesses his people in response to our attitude to sin. What a God. That we as human beings can connect with a holy God is simply amazing. That we can get his attention. That we can have his assistance. My friend, when we have God's assistance, whose other assistance do we need? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. When there is a concern that is appropriate, we're willing to deal with God. Where God deals with us at a heart level, we will then connect with the Almighty. But notice finally, and jot this down. I love this final point. And I think it's sometimes lost on us that when we connect with the Almighty, because we've dealt with him at a heart level, mark this down, change is automatic. You know why change is automatic? Instantaneous? Because the heart is the real you. So when God has changed your heart, God, my friend, has changed you. Irrespective of what you do tomorrow, next week, next year, you are changed. Because you are changed in your heart. Hallelujah. Now make no mistake. Because the inside has been changed. The outside changes as well. So what people see when they see the actions and they see the attitude and they see uh, the places that you go and the things that you do, the change has already taken place. That's just what physical people see on the outside, but you have already been changed before. Amen. 
Wow. That is why 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not he will be. Not he's going to be. But he is present tense a new creature right now. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new because he's been changed in the heart where it counts. When you are saved, a supernatural miracle has taken place in the heart. That's what salvation is. Many people miss this because salvation is when God changes you on the inside out. God did internal heart surgery and you are a new person. What people see is a result of what has taken place on the inside. Too many people are caught up on outward transformation, trying to change themselves and reform themselves, and they get frustrated and they fail and they fall flat on their faces because they're trying to do an outside in and it will never work. It has to be inside out. That's salvation. That's biblical salvation. That change is automatic. And that change that happens, that impacts us when we are saved, is the same change that continues as we serve this great God. You see, my friend, this change that happens in our heart, positionally when we are saved, is the same way that God also changes us when we serve him. God continues to deal with us at a heart level. By way of salvation and by way of service. That is why Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? transformed by the renewing of your mind that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, when God continues to deal with us at a heart level, he makes us more like himself. That's what's called progressive sanctification. And when you are changed through the word, it happens because God has touched your heart. That is why the word of God is so important. That's why the word of God is so vital. It is so critical. My friend, if the word of God is not impacting your heart, mark it down, you are not changing. If the word of God is rolling off of your heart, proverbially, like water off a duck's back, you are still in the same place spiritually that you've been before. And here's the other thing we ought to be mindful of and conscious of. That if spiritually speaking, the word of God is not changing you, you are going backwards. 
Why? Because there's an ongoing battle for control of your heart. That's why when a person is born again, the devil doesn't leave you alone. Because he can render you ineffective by taking steps to control your heart. By causing you to be in rebellion against what God says. Why? Because the heart is the seat, is the headquarters of who you are. And if you can get your attention away from that towards God, then he can render you useless and ineffective when it comes to what God wants to accomplish in your life. You see, my friend, whoever wins the battle for your heart is going to affect it and impact it. So if you're battling with some vice, some besetting sin. Here's what you have to do. You have to come to God in sincerity. You have to admit where you are. You have to get rid of hypocrisy. You have to be willing to admit before God where you are and what you're doing. God says when you get to that point, you can then have my attention and my assistance. And here's the, the, the beauty about it. That when God gets involved, things change. That's why we struggle and we, we, we were stuck in the mud and we're going back and forth and spinning our wheels because it's a sign that God has not gotten involved because we're functioning in hypocrisy. But when God gets involved, mark it down, this God of the universe that spoke the world into existence is able to change lives. But we got to let him do it. We got to stop doing it on our own. When he does it, it will be well done. God is in the life-changing business. And here's what's so wonderful. That when God does it, and it was all about him and not about us. Guess what? We get to give him the glory. Somebody said, man, but I thought that you were like this. And it, boy, that's all God. That's all God. God be the glory. Great things he has done. God says, rend your heart. Don't get caught up on what people think. Here's why you don't get caught up on what people think. What people think yesterday is not what they think today. What they think today is not what they're going to think tomorrow. So you don't want to be running around. Why you think this today? Why you think that tomorrow? You're going to be walking around like a turkey cock without a head. But be concerned with what God knows. That will remain the same. You can rely on that. You can bank on that. And when we get God's involved, God involved, we'll have his attention. We'll have his assistance. And God will do some great and amazing things in our lives that we could not do on our own. And when God changes you, you are changed. What a great God we serve. Let's get God's attention this morning.
Let's get God's attention. When we get God's attention and his insistence, my friend, families will change. Marriages will change. Society will change. Schools will change. Churches will change. Imagine in the church of God, with all this ritualistic uh, mumbo-jumbo and, and all this stuff. Let's get real with God and watch God do some amazing things. He says, listen, I focus on the inside and I work on the inside and the inside will affect the outside. Make no mistake about it. But God says, let's do business. I function at a heart level.